when I'm watching Jet Rod and, you know, he's battling, he's coming up through the pack, I thought a couple times, I was like, oh, my God, he, like he about to hit the ground. This dude is one of the best, if not the best I've seen at putting a whole racetrack together. And on a track like this, either you're going to have to scrub and push through jumps and stay low, or you're going to have to road race this racetrack and the German chocolate, the Rockworth, whatever he wants. Like he is the best at doing that. I believe in the beast mode and I want to see Toe Smack. I want to see Toe Smack back. What's up, guys? You know who it is, your boy JS7, and you know where we at. We at the Rewound, baby, for round six from Glendale, Arizona. Look like a State Farm and Chris Paul commercial. Man, way those guys and way that track was, maybe he did need some insurance, but Glendale, favorite track. I wish I had a chance to race that. Never did, but I'm racing it here with you guys. So we know what we saw last weekend. We saw Eli Tomac. Beast mode. What happened to him? We saw Jet Lawrence have a dominating performance. We got the West Coast boys back. And you got the defending champion coming in a little hurt, but he's still trying to get those things tipped out. So people, you know what we got to do from round six, Glendale, Arizona. Let's do it. So here in Phoenix, not only is everything big, you got the 17th at TPC where Ricky Fowler and the boys were playing at the par three. But this floor layout is huge. It's one of the biggest ones, if not the biggest one of the circuit. And so there's a lot of room to build a lot of track, a lot of space. There was a huge rhythm section. I've never seen so many jumps in my life. It, I think they're still building. But that's because of floor layout. And having a, having a big layout on the floor gives you a lot of options, whether you have the Vince Freeze and Christian Craig incidents, where you have the sand section, or you have all these jumps in a row. It definitely looked like they... It was a lot of room to play where, and Dirtworks had some fun doing that. Now, with the track, it was an interesting track because you had this long rhythm section, but the rhythm section was really easy, and being so easy is what made it tough on these guys. You saw a lot of guys coming up short. You saw what happened to Nate Thrasher. Oh, he comes short. Looks like, oh, my goodness, just got ejected from the bike. And then that boy hit the ground hard. The earth was like, oh, here Nate, he come again, no. Bam! But we saw guys coming up short. You saw Jet Lawrence come up short on the triple after that rhythm section. But the reason they were doing that is because it was so easy, which made it so hard. Um, what happened in the 250 class um, between Levi Kitchen and Jordan Smith, there was a lot of things with all these jumps. Um, guys were just struggling and I don't think they were struggling because there were so many of them. They were just struggling because how easy it was to get through them. So um, nonetheless, they had a big floor layout. They put a lot of jumps, but it ended up everybody doing the same rhythm. And it was kind of a difficult to be able to go from three to four. Nonetheless, it just ends up everybody kind of doing the same thing um, because how big the jumps were, it was either be really easy and going triple, 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 or you had to pull a big quad, which we had a couple mentions that maybe it was doable, but nobody really pulled that trigger. And so I thought the track was good. It looked like it was a fun racetrack, but it became where it was harder to pass because everybody was doing the same thing. But Phoenix, the crowd showed up. 
the dirt looked awesome, big floor layout, and everybody seemed like they had a good time. So, man, these fans are unreal out here. They're uh, <laughs> they're getting loud, and uh, I can hear them all the way around the track. So, coming into this weekend, we had some topics that we had some questions about guys that we were really wondering what was happening. One, we had one of the biggest storylines, Eli Tomac. What was going on with him? Would he bounce back? And then you had Jet Lawrence. Has he figured this thing out? Like he had another dominant performance like he did at Anaheim. Some mistakes, but mistakes like everybody else made. And then you had Chase Sexton, your Finn the champ. Like he seems like he's starting to get better, but he's still lacking a little bit of speed. So coming in this weekend, we heard that Chase hurt his hand. And so that was kind of a bummer probably for him. Um you know, especially with this track and then the, the race that he had last weekend, not beating Jet, but being a little bit closer to speed with Jet when Jet's on um, compared to the weekends before Jet's been on the ground, all these other things. It was kind of the first race that him and Jet Lawrence were out front and then Chase was able to stay there. So you could tell by his interview that Chase felt like he found something. So coming to this weekend, would he just continue that success? Well, anytime you get hurt back, neck, hand injury, uh, uh, you're breaking up with your girlfriend, whatever you have to move, practice facilities, whatever it is, if it's not 100% coming in this game, like you're going to have a hard time trying to compete. And so with Chase having that um, hand injury, you could tell things weren't firing on all cylinders. I think it might have been a blessing for Chase because the way this track was laid out, it's it was a speed track. It was going to be a fast racetrack to where – the way last weekend, as I said with Chase, I think there's a limit to how fast he can go. He's mentioned it. Um, it's no secret about it. So coming into this race, it's a real fast racetrack. So we saw what we um, Aaron Plessinger going down. We also saw what happened with Aaron Plessinger when he got out front being open. So Chase, I don't think he would have had as good as performance last weekend, per se, going up against Jet or even, I guess, Kenny, that matter the way the track was laid out. So being kind of injured, it kind of like a little bit of mud race form. So it was one of those things that, look, I didn't do well because I was hurt rather than nah, I just got beat. So for me looking into it, I think Chase is still okay. You know, I don't think anything's really changed. He was hurt this week. So the ninth place was just the ninth place. He rode fine. I didn't see anything that was like any different than whatever compared to if he was healthy and he just got beat or, or whatnot. Um, then I think that would have changed his mindset. I think Chase still has the same mindset that when he's healthy, he's going to rely on the victory he had this year, how he's been riding, how he's been getting better, and how his last healthy race against Jet Lawrence, he was right there. Um, I think he'll continue that. And so it's almost like a mulligan in a sense on a mindset for Chase um, this weekend. So nonetheless, Chase did exactly what he needed to do. When you're injured, you got to salvage everything you possibly can. And it seemed like he was a little bit more hurt than probably what we all maybe thought he was. I mean, these these guys are so damn tough that, I mean, they can literally, the only thing that you would notice if they were missing a leg, like they could be broken. Once they fired the motorcycle, once we start racing, once that girl walks across with that main event, it's like, I don't care. I don't need no legs. Just give me an eyeball and a right hand so I can twist the throttle and I'm straight. We just figure it out. And so Chase... Um, being out there, you, you'll really never notice the difference between somebody riding her until maybe at the end of the part of the race. But Chase did what he needed to do. And so his story was his story. And we'll see him in a couple of weeks when we come back racing and hopefully he'll feel better. Now, the biggest story 
Besides, Chase coming in with Eli Tomac. Beast mode. What happened? We, we heard that it was a possible shock failure. And there was some controversy with that. We had team managers saying, uh, yeah, yeah. Jeremy Coker was like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, maybe. And we had Eli saying that, look, uh, I got an arm pump because of sh- the shock. But it was more like, what the hell? Like, what was up? And I, I wasn't surprised what we saw because you've kind of been seeing a little bit of that all year. And it's nothing towards Eli. It's nothing like he ain't trying or he ain't doing his best. I just think some things, when things transpire, they just transpire. They just happen. You know, it, it just happens. And, and for Eli, I, I, as I was explaining last weekend, it's going to be hard to go from here to like here, even though like here is like really good. Some, some for Eli for here is like some people going from here to like there, but it's just a difference. And when you're that type of guy and you feel like you just came off a race win dominant, and then you're coming into next weekend and you have that happen, it gets frustrating. Now, that being said, Maybe the Yamaha and maybe as you get a little bit older, which not maybe, just the way it is, things got to be more set up and more correct than when you're younger. You know, that's another thing. So we could take into account that what happened last weekend, Eli, maybe a couple of years ago, he would have just figured it out because he's younger. You just like young, dumb, whatever. You would have just figured out a way to ride it. Where now, if things aren't right, and the way this field is, if things aren't right, that eighth place last weekend getting lapped, like you said, maybe it's like fourth or fifth a couple of years ago, and it won't be that big of dramatic difference, even though the same problems is happening and you will ride the same, but just different results because of age. Maybe that's what's going on. And so I think with Eli Tomac, he needed to bounce back because this track is beast mode light, is beast mode. And what I mean by that is... It's a real open track. You know, when you get to this big open layouts like Daytona, when Eli's at his best is when he's got space. When Eli Tomax got space, he is dangerous. Now, I do think the space is better when he was on Kawasaki. I think he rode more outside lines and just had this open just momentum around the racetrack on Kawasaki's. The Yamaha has been, he still has those flashes, but the Yamaha, I've noticed that he's been more he can ride those technical tracks just as good. He can, you know, square up like his bike works better for him. It's not just all him. Um, and not saying that it ain't Kawasaki, but the way he rode Kawasaki, the way he rides the Yamaha is um, a little bit different. So this track maybe wouldn't set up as best for him that it was years past on the Kawasaki. But nonetheless, we know how good Tomac is here at this particular race. And that's because the back and forth lanes, the bowl corners. So, you, when you win races and you win tracks, you come there you, and you just got a good feeling. And Eli Tomac, from what happened last weekend, and considering that the last time we were at one of those type of tracks, he struggled as well, um, a.k.a. Um, Indianapolis last year when he got the eighth place. I said they were a little bit different than the eighth place this last weekend, but nonetheless, I think he feels better when he gets here. He wakes up, I won here, I'm going to win again. He looks a little bit more spunky. He had a pretty solid heat race in the main event. He got a decent start. And then personally, I think Eli rode exactly the same as he did last weekend. And I know y'all are going to say, well, wait, he got four and he was battling with Jet Lawrence. I think what ended up happening was 
He went through the same issues. Whatever issue was happening last weekend, he was going through the same thing, but the track wasn't as tough. And the arm pump, I think he could deal with it. The reason I say that is because if you watch Eli, watch him when he lands off some of the jumps. And when you could tell a rider's starting to struggle is when they land off like a finish line jump, and they'll sit down. And Eli, it's like he stopped moving through the air. And when he stops moving, that to me tells me a rider's tight. And I just noticed um, throughout that main event, like the first five, six laps, like he was pretty good. And then the middle part of that race, when Jet was around him, he started when Jet really caught him and it looked like he was about to start going backwards. I noticed Eli landing and it was landing and his arms like they went in. They started coming in, tucking like he was trying to road race. And I've seen that before. We saw it last weekend. That's a guy who's basically probably really can't feel his arms. His arms, maybe's locking up and he's using his core and his body and his legs to hold the bike because he can't hold on with his hands. And so when you start seeing guys land and they sit down, that's because they're tight. So last weekend, I saw the same thing. But last weekend's track, you couldn't ride you couldn't ride around it. Where this weekend's track, it was hard packed. And if you're going to pick any kind of track to be able to do that, this was the perfect weekend to be able to do that, um, be able to ride with arm pump because, yeah, there was a lot of jumps. And, yeah, you could worry about the Henry Hill incident over jumping some stuff. And Eli had a couple of little moments. Um, but the track was hard. You can get, you had a lot of rest time in the air and there wasn't anything that you besides going in the whoop section that you had to hold on super tight to be able to get through it. So I think personally, Eli rode exactly the same as he did last weekend, the track and the way it was laid out. And the fact is he was able to to be able to ride this track where last weekend he really struggled with arm pump. He was able to ride around and get a fourth place. But the jury's still out with him, I would say. If anything, maybe this weekend was, I don't know, maybe this weekend was a way that if he's going to finish the year and still somewhat be Tomac, this weekend would help that compared to if you would have had the same thing as last weekend. I think it would have been pretty much game over, but I think Eli has to, Eli's going to have to figure it out himself. Um, Again, I don't think the Yamaha is an issue. I think Cooper Webb is riding really good. I think Justin Cooper's riding good, and Eli Bite looks good. Eli knows, like, I, I think when things go wrong, just at his age, and maybe he needs to be comfortable to be comfortable to go fast. Maybe that's, you know, an, an issue. And with the Achilles, he doesn't want to get hurt. Maybe he gets more arm pump with the motorcycle. But I just think Eli has to just, I wouldn't even say decide, because he can't decide if it's, if, Mother Nature, whatever it is. If Father Time says it's time, it's time. Ain't nothing you can do. So hopefully Eli is still grinding like he is. Beast Mode is always dude's one of the best that's ever set foot. Ever set foot. So whether he wins another race tonight, I JS is a huge fan of him and it ain't nothing but a knock. But Eli's only Eli knows that. And hopefully we can get through and he can get back to having those races like he did a couple weekends ago. And I guess for us as fans, we'll see. When we get to Daytona, that'll be the story. Like, this was a race that, okay, this ain't Daytona, but it's a race that he's really good at. And he got fourth place, which is great in this field, but it ain't Eli Tomac. If we get to Daytona we have that, then I think everybody else will figure it out. You guys will figure it out yourself. But until then, I believe in the beast mode, and I want to see Toast Smack.
I want to see Tomac back. So Eli Tomac, come on back, baby. We waiting for you with real Eli Tomacin. Come on back. So you bring up that you don't think the Yamaha is the issue for his struggles, but where does the arm pump issue come from? I mean, Eli's you know a veteran at this. He's been racing for years. Why is arm pump an issue? He knows how to prep coming into a season. What makes this year different for him? Yeah, I think the arm pump, um, it, it comes from, it can come from a lot of different things. Like it could come from the bike being too stiff, can, can come from the bike being too soft. Usually arm pump, you, you're holding on too tight, obviously. Um, and it's, it's when you're either the bike's, like I said, too stiff and it's vibrating so much and you got to hold on because just going down the straightaway, your hand's going to vibrate off. So you, you lock it or the bike's wobbly and is, is wallowy because of being too soft. What we saw last year when he landed at the, um, I think it was at New York and his hand blew off. So you can be holding on in different ways or you can stop breathing and blood flow doesn't come through and you're nervous. You can get arm pumped that way. So there's a lot of different things, but what I see is more, I, I don't see anything with the motorcycle that I'm like, yeah. Like when I watch, for instance, I watch the Husk of Honor, I'd be like, damn, I see something with that. But when I watch Yamaha, I'm like, yeah. it, like it looks pretty good. But then I'm watching Eli and I'm like, okay, that's a struggle. We saw Cooper Webb struggling this weekend, but Cooper Webb, which we'll talk about him in a second, it was they were not they were night and day difference. Like Cooper didn't struggle with a motorcycle, even though he was going backwards. And maybe if he was in the same position as Eli, maybe he would have finished fourth. But they were two different. I just think Eli is being at this level, and when things start going wrong for him, I I believe it's more of a mental thing shutting down. I don't even know if he really had arm pump in the sense of where he can't hold on like an AC. Like, I don't think he can't feel his arms, but I think what happens is, is kind of that mindset I say about championships. And like, when you got a championship on the line, like I couldn't stand up. Like when I was racing Chad in 09, like I, I was having a hard time literally just going down the straightaway, standing up. Like my legs wouldn't work. I didn't have arm pump. Like there was nothing wrong with my legs, but there was so much going on in my head, my head, I was worried about losing the championship. I was worried about this. I think with Eli, it's the fact that he's back and everybody expects him to win. He expects to win. And when things aren't going right, I think it's just harder for him to like fight. I wouldn't say fight through it, but it's harder for him to be able to accept what's going on. Like, for instance, like Chase Sexton. Like, I'm just going to accept the fifth place because next weekend, maybe I'll win. I think Eli kind of knows in the back of his mind that, Man, I don't really have it. You combination with that and maybe the bike maybe being a little bit off just locks him down and it's hard for him to continue fighting. So I don't think the Yamaha is the reason why he's getting the uh, arm pump. I don't think Eli's fighting with McGrath arm pump back in the day where, dude, you just can't even gas the thing. He's not riding that way. Like Eli's, when I watch Eli, the only time I see something go wrong is when he's battling people and like he's getting past or he's struggling when he's racing, like, or he's losing the time. That's when I see Eli start to sit down and maybe fight the arm pump issues or whatever's going on. But when he's out front, like he was at Anaheim, he was fine. I mean, he was riding fine at Anaheim. The first couple of races, he was just stuck behind those people. So to me, I'm like, 
if you get an arm pump here and you got an arm pump this weekend, I'd say he even had an arm pump this weekend. I don't know if did he say that, but you got the way he wrote last weekend and the way he was struggling this weekend a little bit when Jet Lawrence was around. Why didn't you struggle that way at Anaheim three or Anaheim when you're out front? So I saw the same person. The only difference I saw was his circumstances. The things around him were different, but Eli wrote the same to me. So again, Good question, Cole. I, I think it really comes down to is more of a mental thing. And yeah, the bike, maybe it might be too soft. It might be this and that. But when you combinate being a Supercross champion, being the guy coming off an injury and just being at the age you are with little Johnny and Cynthia and all the Susies and Heathers and all everybody at home, it's just harder to twist that throttle arm pump or not. And I think that's what you get. Um, at this age oh hell no we've all went through it and in fact uh i would say even mines in in some of the great champions like they went from like winning races to like battling with benny bloss and i wouldn't even battle with dude so i even i'm eli's kicking my ass if you last me like he's whooping me the way i rode in 16 i ain't got nothing i was getting lapped every weekend it felt like so eli's doing a lot better than i was doing so i'm not knocking him um but it, I, I i don't know how to explain it people but going from here to even going here and especially how deep this field is it's a big difference and when you're not firing on all cylinders you can win and then get ninth and you can ride exactly the same. So maybe Eli's not even struggling. Maybe when Eli's not 100%, maybe Eli it rides like a ninth place guy. And that's what he gets. So, um, But I believe in beast mode. I want to see the toe smacking. With Eli and having his struggles, we talk about Cooper Webb. Cooper Webb's been riding the best he has all year. And I said last weekend, I think Cooper has found, found speed. He's found speed. So you would think going in this track, the way this track was laid out, it was going to be by speed. But Cooper wasn't, he didn't have speed. Like he wasn't fast. And I think when you look at Cooper Webb, I think he's gotten faster. And I think where Cooper is really good at, which we all know, like he's good when the track breaks down, he's good at finding diff uh, different lines. And this year, he's found that speed you can tell by the heat races. Like, you want to know how fast somebody is? Either watch, like, the first five laps of the main event or watch a heat race. There's your speed, guys. You could tell there. And Cooper's been pretty good in those areas. And so, visually, you could see him faster in qualifying. Like, he's, he's more up top, more on a consistent base. This weekend, Cooper Webb, I probably realized that he – He's gotten faster, but he ain't gotten faster. And with this track, this is a either you got to be able to do like a Ken Roxon and put the whole track together and ride speed that way, or you just got to be fast. Like, and you got to find speed by pushing through jumps, like scrubbing and just staying low going through the sections. Well, when we, even this year, when you watch Cooper Webb, that's not where he goes fast at. So this track, necessarily like you're like oh man it was a struggle weekend he was starting to go back i don't think this track set up good for cooper at all even though that he's gotten faster he's better this year i think this track when you would say put cooper webb on any kind of tr um, track if i'm the competition i want cooper to ride any track it'd be like this type of track you track with a lot of jumps it's not a lot of ruts it's not a lot of like just hard stuff 
Cooper's going to struggle because that's not what I wouldn't say he ain't good at that, but that's not where he's excellent at compared to if the track's super slippery like Tampa or a track like last weekend or even the Triple Crown um, is a little bit more technical and different ways to be able to be more precise. Cooper's really good there. So it wasn't shocking that Cooper was going struggling this weekend. I actually think Cooper did a good job at least even finishing where he finished at because just like I said with Eli Tomac, that mental mindset, and you got to believe Cooper probably came off his best ride of the year coming into this weekend that he knows he hasn't struck. He's struggled in the past with this type, but it was a triple crown for him saying that, you know what? I am better this year. I am faster. I'm about to show it on this type of track and then be going backwards. It's tough mentally. So for him not fondling and ended up basically getting lapped, I think that's a good ride. But as I was saying, where Cooper goes fast, Cooper's fast on even some of the technical stuff this year when the track like really, well, you got to be precise and it's a little bit harder and the whoops even break down. Cooper's not good at just staying low, pushing through the jumps, pushing through that, finding new rhythm sections, even though he did jump a big old quad last year, but that's not his forte. So Cooper struggling is Cooper struggling. So I don't think I think even with Cooper Webb, he's going to be pissed off. I mean, dude was mad when he won the race, so you know he ain't going to be happy with where he finished at a seventh. Um, but I think if I'm Cooper Webb, take a step back, realize the track is probably the worst it's going to be for me on the layout-wise. There ain't no stadium this big, and I'm better. This track doesn't allow me to do that, so chalk it up. I lost. I got seventh. Just move on. So I think Cooper, if he has that mindset, he'll be fine and he'll come back and wouldn't be shocked if he won the next race. But when you lay it all out, Cooper Webb, it was just it, the track was not going to allow him to be fast because it's not where he's fast at, even though he's faster. He just needed to be fast and he wasn't fast enough and he was fast enough to get seventh. And that's not how fast Cooper wanted to be. So he needs to continue just doing what Cooper was has been doing because he's gotten faster. He just wasn't fast enough on this racetrack and he'll be faster next week. Hopefully, hopefully next week could come pretty fast. So that was him. Now, Aaron Plessinger, AP was doing what AP did. We're in Arizona. Let's go, baby. (laughs) AP was fast. And I said, he is like a sneaky fast. Like it's sneaky. He kind of reminds me of Travis Preston sometimes. Like he, when he gets in these bold corners and Cole pointed it out earlier, He's like, dude, AP had roll speed. Like, AP was rolling. In that heat race, he literally was rolling. He threw that big old anchor for a leg out and rolled around the racetrack. Now, I think with AP, just like we saw Chase Sexton um, a couple weeks ago, I still think there's a limit on the KTM. What's the limit? If it's a limit for Chase, it's got to be a limit for Aaron. we just not used to saying Aaron Plessinger is... I guess the speedster like Chase Sexton. So you don't really look at, okay, man, he can actually override the, that motorcycle. But when you start looking at it, anytime Aaron's kind of, I wouldn't even say struggle because he hasn't really struggled when after he goes and dominates like he did in San Diego and has a dominating uh, heat race win, you would expect him to be able to just dominate Roxon or dominate when he's racing the guys he just worked a couple weekends ago when he's battling with those guys. Like he just stays there. And the reason he stays there is because I believe Aaron, just like Chase, when those guys are out front running their lines, even kind of like Ken Roxon, it's hard to beat him. Aaron can use roll speed 
And the way this track was, it was a roll speed kind of track. And that's why he looks so good when he has to stop, go and push through stuff and try to make passes around guys. I think he's struggling. It's been that way all year outside of the mud races and in the heat races and stuff where the lines are still flat and you can kind of go wherever you want. You can still go roll speed, even if you're battling with people in the main event. Aaron has a hard time, um, just like Chase, of having to go faster on a difficult racetrack or just pushing through sections. Well, when Aaron went down this weekend, I think if he was out front in the heat race, I don't think he would have fell. I don't think it was a Dunlop issue where his front end washed out because of traction, even though it was a Dunlop issue and he washed out because he had traction. I think Aaron was on that line of pushing a little past that line. And he came in there and no bike, really, the Honda, KTM, Yamaha, Suzuki, whatever. Some bikes, maybe he might have went in there and it would have slid and he would, or he would have did what he did. But I think Aaron was on that limit of maybe pushing that thing too much, trying to keep up with Roxanne, and he just lost the front end and went down. Now, my whole point of that is I believe if Aaron Plessinger was out front, I think he could have rode just like he did in that heat race because the track wasn't broken down too much. I think there's just a limit of when guys are out front, they can run that pace and be faster than Aaron, anybody just like Aaron was because they're able to just open that racetrack up. When you open that racetrack up, it's kind of like when you go into whoops and you shift up. If you instead of third and fourth, the reason they tell you to go in high gear in the whoops, it's not because they want you to go faster. It's because what it does to the motorcycle, it frees the bike up. It allows the suspension to work. When you ride in the whoops with low gear or you ride the whole track in a low gear, it it bounces the whole bike up. Everything's really rigid. It doesn't free. So my point is, when you're out front, you can choose whatever line you want. If the bike doesn't want to turn, go down there, I'm just go outside. When you're trying to pass somebody, you got to go on the inside line. You got to push harder going into that corner. You got to push harder to in that corner to square it up and try to get out of that corner before you get to them. Or you got to push through the rhythm sections. And if you watch Aaron Plessinger, um, when he was behind Kenny, he had some like land and jump front end high, just like Cooper Webb did last year when he ended up getting in Jason Anderson. I think that's the part where it said is there's a limit to where you can override it a little bit. And I think Aaron just found that limit with the track being a little bit slippery, maybe it's line. He watched the front end. I just think if he was out front, it probably wouldn't happen. But I've been wrong before. I don't think I am, but could be. And I think Aaron was trying to keep that, um, keep the pace up with Roxon because the German chocolate was melting. He was hot. So him and Chase, they had the same issues when they're, if you watch them in the pack, they battle with people. They kind of just battle with people. They struggle. If you lie to them dudes to get some open air, they dominate. They dominate and run away from anybody. And I think that's just set up the way the bike is and track. So AP did a good job at coming back and he's riding great. He's riding like he did all year. He just went down this time. And after the weekend, I said, he's always going to be around that four fifth, you know, all that. He's going he gonna to go ahead and get like a 10th or whatever he finished. AP, but yeah, right, dog, you keep it going. So we're getting close to the podium. Actually, we are on the podium. I'm going to talk about Jason Anderson. And the reason I'm going to talk about him before I talk about the next guy is because he comes out my mouth first. He's up first. And he was there. And he didn't really do anything. His bike was great. 
just like it was a couple weeks ago. I think you just saw the difference between tracks and layouts. Hard pack like Phoenix, like Anaheim, like Tampa was. Kawasaki has some traction. Bro, the thing works really good. Being a little bit softer, the whoops. I think Jason rode like Jason did last weekend and the weekend prior. He just had the chocolate. Willy Wonka was out front doing his thing and that he couldn't catch him, but nobody else could catch Jason. So he didn't really do anything. Jason rode great. Bike looked great. They didn't really show him too much because El Hombre wasn't shooting anybody. They were just hostages. They just gave him what he wanted, and he did good. So um, Jason had a night where he was riding probably. I bet if you ask him, he probably said, I rode the same as I did last weekend and weekend before. I ended up second, and it was a non-eventful second. So Jason did a good job. So that's all I got to say about Jason. Hey, Susie. Siggy. Siggy. I was close. Susie, Cynthia, I know it, people. Shut up. I know it. I know it's Suzanne. I know her name is Tiffany. Now, my next person, Jet Lawrence. Woo. We watched him ride outdoors, and everything that kid did was perfect. And even though, even sometimes he makes mistakes, they'd be like perfect mistakes. He made mistakes last season outdoors and i was like yeah no nah, everybody think you'd be playing around but i actually think he'd be trying because you'd look like he'd be making some perfect mistakes and that's i mean that's pretty perfect to me like even my mistakes they just be that perfect so this weekend you can almost see the two differences between jet lawrence jet lawrence that makes perfect mistakes and jet lawrence that don't make no mistakes and just perfect i believe when he's out front kid hard to be beat Hard to be beat. And when he's battling, he's still hard to be beat. I mean, a lot of people figure that out. But I think there's the, you can see a youngster in him. Like, I see myself in him. I see, when I'm watching Jet ride and, you know, he's battling, he's coming up to the pack, I thought a couple times, I'm like, oh, my God. He, like, he about to hit the ground. About to hit the ground. And not because... You know, he don't know how to ride a motorcycle, but because, you know, hey, like as I was saying, that even with that racetrack, there's still some type of limit. And Jet is the limit. Like he is the limit. Like, like he ain't getting the needle. He is the needle. Like he's like, I'm the speed guy. And he know who I front. He know who I front. He knows the only way to beat Roxon is not let Roxon do what he did. And so he was trying to get up there, but Roxon was on another level and he what he saw was even when he was catching Eli and trying to catch those guys that the faster he went and it was Mike Mudderline borderline the the same thing I say Eli maybe doesn't want to figure out and test that limit Jet is still willing to do that to make up a few tenths on a track that's hard to make up time Jet's gonna figure out how to do that he did it last weekend or a couple weekends ago at Anaheim he's gonna test that line so when I was watching I was like oh damn dude this track how slippery those whoops are, and the fact is, to make up time, the things that you're going to have to do on an a tr- easy track that made it was really hard, I saw him making some, some mistakes. And as I was saying, you can see the two different, uh, two different riders. I think Jet is young, and the only time you can get at him is like when he, he's like battling with somebody. When On the outside looking in, it's like when I watch him, Sometimes he gets caught up in what he's doing right there. Like he'll, he won't, he almost forgets about 
I wouldn't say the big picture because I don't think he really forgets about that. It's not like he out there is saying, I'm going to die right now. Oh, snap, I could be winning the championship. But I think when he's battling how dominant he is and the fact is he wanted to be Eli Tomac and just everything – and he knows German chocolate. Like, even if he passed Eli, he still got some long ways to go. I think Jet gets caught up right there, and he battles right in front of him. And when he battles right in front of him, he comes up short on the triple or the double a couple times. The reason he does that is because I wouldn't say he gets flustered, but he's so entrenched on the things that are happening right now that I think what makes Jet good is that he's really, when he's out front, he's really aware of everything like it's like he looks all the way down like he's planning for the corner that's two corners from now but when he's battling with people he's so focused in on the back fender or the mosquito on chase's front end he gets locked in there and then he kind of forgets about some of the other things which allows him uh which allows maybe some mistakes to come up or he comes up short on triple or he's swapping and the only time that i feel like those guys can get at him is when they're battling him like Kind of like what Eli Tomac we used to do back in the day. If you allow a dude to come past you and just keep going, like you can never, like he's just gonna outrun you. He's just better than you. Ain't nothing you can do. But if you try to that rolling that bowling ball is rolling down that hill, and you can put a couple like boulders to make the thing bounce up and down, you can kind of stop that momentum. You have a chance. Where even with those two, Jet Lawrence and Eli Tomac, I still think they're even different in those same that same aspect. I think Eli back in the past. It would be more of a mental thing where I think Jet, it's more of a, oh, hell nah. Like, I know you ain't trying to, I just went 22 and I won everything. I know you ain't in my way. I'm about to, mm-mm. So I think he gets caught up and sometimes he, he loses and he gets caught up in battling the guy in front of him, which is the only time that I think he's vulnerable. Because what we saw this weekend and what we saw even a couple weekends ago, it's like you saw Jet. When he was coming up through the pack, you're like, oh, damn. Like, you watch him, and you're like, first time, you're like, I visually see him trying. Like, I visually watch him make mistakes. I visually see him when um, he was talking about the line and the whoops. RC was talking about the line and the whoops, his angle. You see mistakes, and you could tell he's trying. But then it's like, once he gets past that and he settles down, it's like he goes back on to, like, just rotting. And so what we saw this weekend coming up through the pack, I'm like, oh man, he's coming up short on the triple. Once he got past Eli and maybe he realized that he couldn't catch Anderson or whatnot, he settled down and then he rode like he did when he ran off and won last weekend. So I just go back to how dominant this kid is. And just like we all did, especially when you're younger, the testosterone um, and everything else, like the kid wants to win. And sometimes you get caught up in racing the the race right now and young kids it is about right now like it is don't look forward to next weekend because pr- tomorrow ain't promised to nobody so as i'm saying jet maybe needs to just big picture it sometimes i might be contradicting myself in a sense to the younger kids because you need to be focused about beating the guy right in front of you don't worry about the guy up there yet because you need to get by this dude where i think in jet situation What I'm saying is when he gets caught up in the guy right here, it's like you just caught this guy. And if you keep riding the way you've been riding, you probably go past him. But you get caught up right now and then you make mistakes or whatever. 
And that's the only time that it seems vulnerable because once you get past them, then you go back and there's no mistakes and you're like, damn, you look like you're riding around. A couple years ago at Unadilla, when he was battling 401 for Mono, uh, when he lost the front end, it was the one race that I think he finished like seventh one after being pretty dominant. Actually, it's last year in 250s, like he was winning everything, no mistakes. And then he had that one race and it was like, whoa, where that came from? I think he crashed a couple of times. It was when he was battling somebody. I think the kid passed him back or whatnot. And then all of a sudden you saw this burst of speed and he ended up hitting the ground. And the only time I've seen that is like when he's around other people. Now, granted, Supercross track is tight. You know, you're not going to ride your own lines. You're going to make mistakes. But as I'm saying, the kid's so damn good. You got to pick out the places that maybe he ain't as good at because he's great everywhere. And that's the only time I see that. If you allow him to ride and be free, he can whoop your ass. But if you got a chance, that's where it's at. And you probably gonna watch this video and be like, uh, thanks, Jake. I'm going to figure that out, too. And then y'all going to lose again. But nonetheless, that's all I see. So Jet Lawrence rode great. He didn't hit the ground. He finished third place. And he's got a red, yellow, blue, whatever. He got rainbow number plate. And he's your points leader. And if it ended today, like I always say, he would be your champion and it ain't surprising, but the way it was going in the middle is kind of surprising unless you don't get surprised by anything. And Jet Lawrence winning and getting third and just having the red plate and blue plate ain't damn surprising. So, Jet Lawrence, you're real good, kid. But you didn't ride as good as this other dude. Now, German chocolate. Now, I don't have a chocolate bar. I'm on a diet. Not really. I just didn't stop at the gas station get me a Snickers bar, but I wanted one. Why I wanted one? Because the chocolate of Willy Wonka, Ken Roxon, whoo, it was good. That was the K-Rock that I hated race against. I ain't like racing that dude. That dude would get out front, and he'd be like, man, really? Like, really, dude? Are you going to go that fast? Now I see what Ricky was like, bro, why you go so fast in the beginning? I'm like, man, I'm just doing what I do. I do. I just JS myself. Well, K-Rock was just doing his thing. I believe... That was a part of the Ken Roxon that we used to say in the past. You let him out front, he'd be gone. He'd be gone. I know Chase like, oh, man, he'd be gone. But years pass and injuries and, you know, all the changes. I don't think Ken knows how good Ken is, even though Ken knows how good he is because he'd be coming out with his shirt off and stuff. Sometimes he'd be hitting these flips and all that. Ken knows how good he is. But when you haven't won in a while and then last time he won was last time he won was last year, they few and far between. You just don't believe that you can actually get out front and do what you just did. And he did it. And I think with Ken Roxon, it was the track setup, the way it lays out, and how good he is. If you go back to Ken Roxon, this dude is one of the best, if not the best I've seen, at putting a whole racetrack together. And on a track like this, either you're going to have to scrub and push through jumps and stay low, or you're going to have to road race this racetrack and the German chocolate, the Rockworth, whatever he wants. Like, he is the best at doing that. Ken is great at setting up in this corner to set that corner up, to set that corner up. And when Ken Roxon's on fire and he's firing, he knows how to put a track together where he's, as Cole was saying with AP, his roll speed is second to none. So he don't have to scrub through all the jumps, even though he's good at that. Ken's just going to beat you because he's going to have more momentum around the whole racetrack, and he does. This track was set up for Ken Roxon, and as I said, the kid puts together tracks, um, you know, road racing style. What road racing is 
you know, the guys like they come out, it's always an arc around the racetrack. Ken's really never going straight. He's always an angle. And this track was set up that way to where he can, he can actually get that going. And Ken was dominant. And I think for him, as I was saying, like maybe Ken doesn't realize how good he is is because of all the injuries and stuff. I think Ken, once Aaron went down and he saw El Hombre wasn't catching him, then it got to a point where eight, nine minutes into it, halfway, then Ken was like, okay, these guys ain't catching me. I'm fast enough. I know they're just not going to catch me at this point. He calms down, and then he starts just focusing on hitting the lines, and you you ain't never going to catch him then. The only way to get Ken, just like everybody, they have their own things that maybe if you're going to beat him, this is how you can try to attack it. I believe Ken... And everybody knows is like you got to get him in the beginning part. You cannot let him settle down in the beginning part of the race. Like first five minutes, like Ken's gonna jump out. He's gonna pull away from you. You gotta you gotta close that gap. Even if you don't pass him, you gotta start closing that gap. And then you might have a chance. But once that gap doesn't close, and then Ken Roxon settles in, once you win, it's like it'll come back to you. Like you'll. It had just naturally happened since it's been a while. He won last year and it's been far in, in between races. I think it's just mentally once he gets and he's in those situations like this weekend and when he goes out and just dominant, it looks like he can do it every weekend. That's just the, the natural, like the experience of winning before and how dominant Ken is and how talented he is. It just comes back to him. But you got to be in that spot to be able to allow that to happen. And I think that's what you saw this weekend. And when Aaron Plessinger went down and then he realized that El Hombre wasn't catching him, Ken Roxon was able to focus in on him. Because when you're out front you're and you're pulling away, then you know that what you're doing is better than everybody else. And so you continue doing what you're doing. The only way to get Ken Roxon and, and most guys, but especially like with Ken, is the dude's so talented, and as I was saying, he's able to put a track together that is very economical and very hard to catch speed-wise. That's why Ken Roxon is really good at holding like a three-second lead. And you would think that, well, I mean, if he's hold, if he's good at doing that, then why did guys catch him anyway? Because he's usually able to get out and get a gap and then they catch him. Well, what ends up happening is that, as I said, Ken Roxon's really good at holding that lead, but he's also great at putting the track together in roll speed. Well, when you got roll speed, obviously you're not slowing down, but it makes it hard for the guy behind you to catch you because that means if you're going through the corner just as fast or maybe even faster to roll speed, that means I got to charge harder into the corner and I got to go faster through the jumps. And that is hard to do on a track that we're all pretty close, but that just brings in more chances that I might hit the ground. And so usually when Ken's on fire and he realized what he's doing is better than everybody else or just as good where those guys can't catch him, then he continues doing it. And it makes it tough for a guy that's three seconds, four seconds behind him to make that time up because they're just not doing it without taking chances. And Ken can mosey on. And that's why you saw and you hear people say Ken's really good at maintaining a lead. And it's because he's continued riding his line and the way he puts it together, a whole racetrack makes it hard. So this weekend, when Aaron went down and El Hombre wasn't catching him, Ken just continued on doing what he's doing. And the reason he finished it off, because naturally he's a winner and it just comes back. He's like, oh, this is what happens. This is how I do it. And he can finish it off. I believe if those guys would have caught him, then it would have changed it because Ken would have thought, 
well, what I'm doing, they're obviously catching me. So what I'm doing isn't quick enough. And then if he wouldn't stop, if he would have stopped putting the track together, like how he would have, then those guys would have caught him a lot quicker because they would have just, obviously they've been going faster him and what he was doing wasn't working. And then if he stopped doing that, then they would have really caught him. So I think Ken Roxon, again, what we saw this weekend isn't surprising when you think about the racetrack, how good he is, what he does best, this track set up for him. And the reason why that it may be surprising to some people is because he hasn't done this more often. But when you lay it all out, I think Ken is realized this weekend how good he really is. I think he just got to continue like doing that. It sounds stupid, like just continue doing that. But I think it had just allowed him to be focused on what Ken Roxon was doing and it just elevated and it just um, highlighted what he's great at and what he's great at is dominating races. And when Ken Roxon is dominating races, he can hold a three second lead all day long. Look like he ain't trying almost like a jet Lawrence. It's not surprising that what we saw with Ken Roxon, because that is the German chocolate and he is that good, but it was great to see. And hopefully it continues because this weekend is a big weekend for Ken Roxon. All right. So then I'm interested if we see if all the success and how Ken is now, is that partly due to how his program has changed over the last couple of years to being able to be kind of structured around him with Suzuki and, and the whole team being built around him versus, you know, would this be possible on a Honda that he was, you know, a couple of years back, would he be able to do the same thing? So I, I think with, with Roxon. You gotta you gotta lay it out in two different parts. So your question was essentially if he was on the Honda, like is this a new version of Ken Roxon? Suzuki allows him to have the races like he did. Would he do that on a Honda? Have the same performance? Um, yeah, actually he would because he did have the same performance as he did on on the Honda. Remember a couple of years ago he won Anaheim going away, same kind of way. So the victories and the way Ken puts together track and how he can have these performances, I don't think that's a motorcycle. I think that's Ken Roxon being talented because he's done it on both. The difference is, is Ken, the, the up and downs. I think the team, this new version of Ken Roxon and his health-wise and Larry Brooks and that whole team allows Ken to not be winning and continue to fight and continue getting better and better and better to when he have these breakout races like he did this weekend, it allows him to go next weekend and get third or whatever, or even get fifth or even win again. And then the following weekend, he's there again. And the following weekend, he's there to where I would say on the Honda, he would win Anaheim one. And then by Anaheim three, he's jumping through the whoops. And I don't think it was anything to do with the motorcycle, but clearly where he's at in his life and he's figured out other things. He's got kids now he's happy and he's happy with the team. It just allows Ken to just be not going to say motivated because he's always been motivated, but I think it allows a guy like that. And, and I know this because I feel like I, I went through that when I went to Suzuki went from being dominant. It allows you to, to enjoy the process and the grind over the results. And I think that's the difference you see this version of Ken Roxon, he doesn't mind the grind to get there. He doesn't mind the eighth, the seventh, you know, just working, testing on a bike to continue, just continue getting better to when he wins, he appreciates it a lot more. It's really hard to put in words like 
I don't win that much anymore, you know what I mean? Like, I haven't won much in the recent years, and so I take these moments in so much, you know? And uh, To where when he was on the Honda and when he was younger, it was all about winning. The results dictated everything else. Like, if you ain't getting the results, then why are we even doing this? Like, I want to, I'm working on this motorcycle because of what happened this weekend, where I think he's working on this motorcycle to allow him to be able to have a great weekend, and it just allows Ken to stay. So, yeah and no. Is it the motorcycle? Like, would he do this on the Honda? Yeah, he would have a race like he did last weekend, this weekend. Yeah, he would go out and do business. He'd do work on those dudes. But what you notice is that he's still here and that you don't hear about sicknesses. You don't hear about the up and downs of Ken Roxon. So that's the new version of the Ken Roxon that we see. Now, as far as championship-wise, in this season in particular, I think Ken Roxon, he did this last year at Indy and he went off and won the race. This weekend coming up, well, they off this weekend, but the next race coming up is a huge weekend for Ken Roxon championship-wise because I believe if somehow he was able to come back and repeat this win or even, like, he ain't got to win, but if he's battling up front for a win, I think it would send a message that to what you just asked, is this a different version of Roxon? Then I would say, yeah, because he's been riding pretty good all year. The results haven't said that, but he's been, I say Ken's better this year than he was even last year. Um, and his performances, the way he rides, he's doing better than where I, he is in points. And this weekend, I don't think he rode too much difference than he has in the past. But if he comes back and now I think if he comes back and wins, then to what you're saying, then I think people will look at him and even himself would be like, that's different than the Honda kid. I don't think he would do this on the Honda, um, at least not after the injuries. This is a new version of Ken Roxon because he might mess around and win a title. And that would be going back to when he was on Suzuki's back in the outdoors to where in KTM's where he was week in and week out, like he was there. I think these next week... This weekend coming up, when they come back and race, and the following weekend would tell you if it's a different version of Ken Roxon as far as on the racetrack and the championship. So we shall find out with all that with Ken Roxon. But what we didn't find out is what we already know because we didn't need to find out. Why we didn't need to find out? Because we already know what happened. And normally, when you put heat on chocolate, it melts. And sometimes I'd be like, the German chocolate, like he be melting. And sometimes when he melts, it ain't a good way couple times like was it last year the year before i was like man the chocolate was melting got on chase and break he couldn't hit and he hit the ground like oh no but the chocolate this year was different it was willy wonka this ken what we saw this race we saw it before but what i didn't see and i haven't seen before is your appreciation for the happiness listen to you on the podium you know that whole team like sometimes when you when you won races, like it's special. It's it's always special. But when you haven't won or you win like one race here and one race there, as I said, you got to start. You appreciate a lot of other things. Like it's like you have kids. You start appreciating. You watch movies different. Well, Ken Roxon, the the race wins. They're far in between, but you start appreciating everything else that's leading up to it. And so I believe this race and this win was more than just going out there and winning a race because I, back in your mind, you know you're good enough to win. You just don't know if you're good enough to win until you win. But you appreciate it, just like we saw Aaron Plessinger a couple weekends ago. 
And it's just special because you know how, how much hard work and, you know, sitting at this desk when you told the whole world that you were making change, you were free agent. We all were like, OK, here we go to be where you are right now. You got to be proud. And then Susie, Cynthia, Johnny, Teddy, Mag, I don't everybody, Max at the house, baby mama, baby, well, the wife. Everybody's proud for you. Larry Brooks proud for you. I'm proud for you. And what they proud for? Hit it for them, Cole. Suntan, next on fire. See, we delayed that just a little bit because we wanted to string it out because the winds, they're far in between. So they got to delay. But we didn't delay it too much because German chocolate, you was on fire. It was Willy Wonka up in there. You had everybody like, damn, man, like, wait, he's supposed to be coming back. He's supposed to be coming back. Where this dude come from? Well, this dude's been here the whole time. This dude, I sent you a text. I was like, man, I hated racing that dude. That was the K-Rock. I know. Dude, be out front. Be like, man, I'm done. I'm done. You're fighting for second. Jet Lawrence, be focused in. Just, I'm just going to pass Eli because I don't want nothing to do with El Hombre last time I slacked him. You know, I shoot, shoot, you know how that goes. And then Ken Roxon, he was so far gone. I didn't even know he was out there. I thought I was in second place. Jump Chocolate was gone. But Ken Roxon on the reel, great job, man. Great job. And just like KTM, it's, it's more than just you. It's all those guys. It's the Chiz. Like the Chiz is a big part of that. Larry Brooks. All y'all, that's a team win, and it's special. But at the end of the day, you put the boots on, you twist the throttle, and you came back out. So great job, Ken. We always proud to see it. Now back it up again. Back it up. Send the message. Send it. Send that post stamp. The German chocolate is back. Brockwurst. You win next weekend, I'm calling you the Brockwurst. The German Brockwurst. Or the big Brockwurst. Even though I like German chocolate better. I like German chocolate. Even though I don't even like German chocolate. It's a different type of taste. But I, I'll eat it if Ken. If I can ride like that, I'm going to eat German chocolate. I'm just a chocolate guy. All right, people. Now let's talk about 250 class. Let's, let's get into that. So the kitchen was up and down. Tacos were here and there. And RJ was having a, a boring race. I mean, there's no popcorn being sold in the arena. No popcorn. No candy cane, nothing. RJ said, look, it's vegan only, tofu, whatever, Vegemite sandwiches. Like, just plain. And that's what kind of race that RJ had. It was a great race, and RJ needed that. But his race was very uneventful, even though it was eventful. And we'll talk about you in a second. But the race was between the kitchen and the smith. The smith in the kitchen. We got the smith store up here, and the kitchen was open. And they were going back and forth. And I think Levi... Levi was kind of doing his thing. Like maybe he wasn't as on as he maybe in weeks past, but then I kind of think about it. I think he kind of rode the way he's been riding. I think between him and Jordan, he's been more consistent. Clearly Um, they both had, well, I wouldn't even say consistent because they came into this race with a red plate between both of them. So even though Jordan Smith ain't that consistent and he's making it hard on himself, he's been pretty consistent enough to have the shared red, red plate. So who's the real consistent person? Nonetheless, I think Kitchen is riding solid. I mean, he's riding really good. I think he's riding better than he did last year. But between those two, Jordan Smith, to me, visually, and he is, I said he is the leader of this pack. Even over RJ, even though Joe, Joe's still trying to get off the gate. He got off the gate a little bit better, but he still didn't get off the gate as good as Jordan did. But when I watched Jordan, I think this title is up for him. Like, he didn't have a great race um, this weekend. And if you go back to it, Jordan's had a couple of races where 
he should be out of it. Like he had years past, he'd be out of it. You know, I think what ends up happening between him and Levi, somehow he would hit the ground hard. He would have lost the visor and he would have been DNF. The difference is it wasn't. He's able to get up and fight and get a fourth. So when I visually watch Jordan, I think he is the faster one. I think he is, if you, if Jordan put everything together, he would, I think he just run away from him. Like, cause he looks solid. I think for him, he's just got to make it a lot easier on yourself, bro. Like you are the best. I give it to you. You are the best. I think they know you the best, but since you making these mistakes, you're allowing these guys to stay in, in this season when they know they're staying in this season because you're allowing them to, when you stop doing that, then I think they'll fall back in place where they are because it's unlike the, the East coast class, there's not one dominant guy. Well, you can be that guy. And I think you're the fastest one out of all the undominant guys. You are the most dominant. So I think Jordan Smith is riding really good. He is a different rider. I know people can say like, well, man, he's going and hitting the ground and all that, but he's riding better. He looks better. He is faster. He actually looks more in control to me. It just looks like sometimes he doesn't realize how good he is. And when things happen, they just happen. For instance, what ends up happening at the finish line off that triple, if you watch it and people will be like, oh, like maybe he should be aware, he should be looking, that was nobody's fault. I mean, the kitchen decided to close an hour early. He didn't jump on that tabletop, but he was being cautious because he thought the fire marshal was coming. He was like, I don't want to be shut down. I don't want to close. So I'm going to close early because there's too many people in here. So I'm just going to double. Well, if you look at his body position, you can't tell what he's doing. Like he could have rolled that triple and rolled that single. It's going to look exactly the same. So Jordan Smith couldn't tell. Like he lands off that body position looks the same. Only way he knows is when he's about to jump on top of him. Like literally he's going to land on top of him because there ain't no brake lights. He can't tell that Levi's going to shut the kitchen closed. Like he's going to close it down. And as I was going back to the beginning part of the show, when I was saying that track was difficult because it was so easy. Like those rhythm section was difficult because they were so easy. Case in point, when they landed off that triple, they probably could have, besides the not having momentum and the, the thing nosediving, they probably could have coasted and made that distance on top of that um, on top of that tabletop. What made that tabletop so hard was that it was so easy to get onto it that it w- it could be really easy. You can almost almost be easier to jump all the way over the whole thing. But this dude wasn't there, so that ain't gonna happen. But Back to my point, his body position was up. It looked like he was going to triple on until he doesn't. Jordan doesn't know. Jordan jumps, and he does a great job, people. Honestly, he does a great job at not killing both of them. And I, you saw Levi, I think he apologized. It was nobody's fault. And Levi knew, like, he was thinking that it was a red cross, that he couldn't jump it. Otherwise, he would have jumped on top of that tabletop because he knew that Jordan was going to do what he did. He just thought that, look, I'm not taking no fines for anybody. J-Bone, you know how quickly he'd be calling. He'd call me. He'd be finding me, asking for my wallet before I even finished the race. So I am not jumping on this red cross flag until he realized later that it was yellow. And then he did it. So nonetheless, Jordan did a great job and not killing both of them. And he went down. But again, even him getting up and him not hitting the ground, if I'm Jordan Smith, it's kind of like the golfer. That, look, I shanked it in the trees and I shanked it back out, but I ended up with a bogey. Like you look at a a negative and turn it into a positive. Well, that negative situation is a positive because last year, I think you would have been visor off. You would have been out and it's been like that all year. But yet you came in with the red plate. Yet 
I think you are the best guy. I think the other guys know you're the best guy. So turn that positive, um, turn that negative into a positive. And Jordan Smith, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, she might dump you, but you're going to find the Swifty after this anyway. You're going you're gonna to find a better one anyway. So keep doing your thing. But who did his thing is the guy that did nothing. He did nothing. It was not RJ's light, but it was the most RJ's victory because RJ won it. You know, you were like, dude, so what happened? Did he almost swap out through the whoops? Like, what happened? Nah, dude, he was just like, kind of like there. Was he like blitzing the whoops? Like, was he like RJ? Nah, dude, he was just kind of like, I mean, he kind of wrote like Ryan Dungey, Chase Sexton. Dude, he was just like, he just won. Nah, man, Jay, what happened? Like, come on, man. No, no, RJ was boring. And he was boring because he dominant. Like, it was dominant. Kitchen was open, closed. Jordan Smith was sending texts, landing on people, slapping people, slapping babies, kissing babies, coming up, falling over, slippery. That first one wasn't even your fault, too. It's just slippery. Slippery. Dirt works. Put some water. Man, get some traction. Get some traction. But RJ just rode around. Everybody else was doing what RJ used to do, just giving victories away, and you coming up collecting checks. It was like the Brinks truck with the door open. All this money's flying out, and you just picking it up and taking it. I don't care. I don't care, people. I'll put your money in my pocket and call it mines all day long. And what he's going to call, hit it for him, Cole. Suntan, next on fire. He got neck burn. I don't care. It might have been Jordan's victory. Who knows? No, it ain't. Like Levi colorblind. He don't know what he's seeing. Maybe it was him, but nope. No, uh, it was RJ time. They was doing RJ year stuff. And I was the opposite of RJ and RJ won. So I'll take your money, put it in my pocket, call it mines. Have a nice day. All right, people, that was it for that. But you know what time it is. My favorite time, your favorite time. Stu and Stu. We'll be right back. 45. 45. Classes. 45 classes. Thirty six. Thirty six. Number one. Number one. Thirty six. Number one plates. Mini monsters. Mini monsters. Monsters. Twenty twenty four. Mini monsters. Mini monsters. Twenty twenty four. Wait, how do you say it again? Mini monster. Oh, mini monster. Oh dang. What's up, guys? Your boy JS Seven. Look, if you ain't got time to watch our whole video, which I don't know why you don't. Make sure you go here and subscribe and check out our new channel where we're going to have some smaller clips, some clips that you haven't seen on our main show just for y'all. So make sure you subscribe, click, comment, do whatever you do. Watch our whole show, but come to this channel as well. Check out our stuff. See you there. All right, people, you know what time it is. My favorite time, your favorite time, Stu and Stu. Well, first First, I mean, play the song. Dun, 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 dun. You already know it. It's do better than everybody else. We just do. It was almost stewish jump with all them jumps in there. Why they build this type of track when I ain't there? Probably because I might be laid up dead. Because I would have had to hit it. Like, I would have had to hit it. Probably came up short. But I would have had to hit it. Because peer pressure. Peer pressure is no fun. That's a stew. Stew. Better than everybody else. You just win the race, you just stew, but no default stew. There was no more stews. These dudes are stew. Even though maybe the first one, second one, he could be a stew. First one is the German chocolate. Ken Roxon. Now, you won. And 
you won before. And Cole asked, like, was there a difference? Like, is this a new version of Ken Roxon? I don't know, Tom Tell. Like, we'll have to figure that out. But you did what you've done before. And when you win, it's kind of like the other guy that won in the 250 class. Did they go first this time or second? I don't know. Y'all be switching. Y'all be going first, second. I don't know who it is. I'm thinking when I watch 450s, I'm like, oh, man, I missed the 250 class. And I see Joe Shimoda. He's still trying to get up the gate. And I'm like, wait, wait, is my TiVo messed up? But then I realized you be going back and forth. And it's confusing, but we ain't there yet. So you did this before. In the past, on the Honda, on the red bike, you were dominant. You were doing this. And it's pretty boring, but it ain't boring because it's special when you watch it. And Ken Roxon, I believe you're going to do it again. And I know one thing. Maybe this is new. You enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. You embraced it. And it's cool to watch. So, Ken Roxon, you are a German chocolate stew. You a stew. Now, RJ, I'm going to be pretty quick with you. You ain't do nothing. You didn't do nothing. It was no RJ is. Everybody else was doing RJ. The whoops were there. And then it wasn't, why am I holding my microphone? I don't know. I'm going to move it back over here. But RJ, you won. You don't got the red plate, but you closed down on the red plate. And I don't know, were you the fastest? Probably. Well, you the fastest to the finish. So that means you a stew. I don't care how you do it. Bring struck. Look, they want to open the door. They don't want to put the lock on. The guards want to go away. The money wants to fall out. Excuse me for picking up the money. I don't know. Tell people all the time. I go, I'm the golfer that be on the golf cart. And I'm like, book of sugar. Book of Sugar, what is that? That's a Titleist golf ball, tailor-made golf ball. And they'd be like, man, why you pick up? You got all these balls. I'd be like, would you, if you walking down the street and you see $5, would you not pick it up? Well, that golf ball is $5 and I pick it up. So Book of Sugar. So RJ, my point is, they can do whatever they want to do. But if you see a Book of Sugar laying on the ground, you're going to pick that Book of Sugar up. That Book of Sugar was your neck burn and you winning. So to me, you be doing what Stu be doing. And that makes you a Stu. So RJ, good job. All right, people, my next list. Confused. I'm not going stupid because, yeah, maybe maybe people were stupid. Maybe they were mad. Maybe they were like, man, I'm better than I was, but I'm not as good as I thought I was, kind of like I was at a golf tournament. Maybe you're a little confused. Like, you get mad at first, then you realize, you're like, damn, I ain't that good anyway, so why am I mad? That's kind of what this is. So I'm not going stupid. I'm going confused. I'm confused because, as I was just saying, I don't know who's racing. I don't know if I'm late to the party, early to the party, or they still on race day live. I be just trying to figure it out. And I'm like, okay, now I get focused. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to see. I'm just a German chocolate. I'm ready to see. Then I see Levi. I'm like, wait, man, I ain't, I ain't dressed for the jeans. I already got my pair. I ain't. So I got to go change. Got to get my Levi's on. And I'm watching Jordan Smith going back and forth. And then I'm watching the race kind of half in and out. And I'm like, damn, like, wait, I thought he was winning. And then wait. He, wait, did he jump on somebody? No, he was winning. And then he, wait, no, he fell. No, is that the Red Cross flag? It's confusing the hell. And that's what Levi Kitchen was because he was like, no, no, no. I see a guy down. I see flashing lights. And I didn't realize I was colorblind, but I am. But those orange and red lights, they look pretty close. And George Smith's like, ah, you, dude, you can't tell. I just sent that text. I'm coming back. Yeah, maybe I won't get the best one, but I'm going to get the second best. And oh, no. Why would he close the kitchen? Why? So it's confusing to hell. And RJ is like, dude, I, I don't, dude, what happened? Well, they ain't serving popcorn, so you ain't got nothing to worry about. And then you won, so you're like, I'm confused because I didn't do anything, but I was dominant. And so that was great. And then in the 450 class, you had Cooper Webb. Like, he probably was getting very upset at first because, one, people think he might have tried cutting off Jet Lawrence. He'd be like, well, if I wanted to take him out, I would have took him out going into the corner because if you pay attention, if I'm going to take him out, 
I'm going to take him out when he's most vulnerable. He's going in that corner. He has to lean. It's up to me to decide. But then I was like, damn, he actually like leaned in on me. Does he know who I am? Does he know I, I'm Cooper Webb? I get mad for winning. I, I win. I'm mad. So I didn't take him out. And then people blame me for taking him out. It's kind of like Jason Anderson. I wish I would have took him out at Anaheim because maybe I wouldn't have hit the ground like Nate Thrasher did. But I didn't. And then I hit the ground. And then people said, man, well, you should have just done it. But when I do it, they be pulling my checkbook. I don't know. So I didn't do it. And then he said, I know he did it. And I didn't do it. So what am I doing? And then I thought, Jay said I was faster. I thought I was faster. Then everybody kept passing me that I was faster. And then I realized I wasn't as fast as I needed to be. I was only seventh place fast. And I thought I was faster than that. So I was a little mad at first. But then I realized, dang, well, hey, that ain't my track. I ain't never do good here. Yeah, that's the other guy on the Yamaha. The one that has one more number than I do. Number three, this is his house. Ain't my house. I'll be back next week. Well, we ain't racing next week. So you know what I mean. I was mad and I wasn't mad. And then I was confused and I was like, you know what? That's kind of like where I'm at anyway. So whatever. And Jet Lawrence, you thought you thought something and then you forgot where you were. You kept casing that triple and you were like, damn, is this like four? Is Where is this track at? I keep coming up on the same thing over and over and over and over. It's kind of confusing until I realize I need to focus on everything. And I start focusing and then everything comes so clear. And I realized that I'm actually in third place, not second, because German Chocolate was gone. And he was dominant. Where the hell that came from? I know Jason Anderson, his bike be working pretty good on that soft, that's hard, slippery track because it's so soft. So I expect that. But where did Roxon go? Is he even racing? He been racing. I've been waiting for him and he's been out there like whatever. And Chase Sexton, he said my hand hurt. So he wasn't confused. He was like, my hand hurt. So what you want? So nonetheless, his hand hurt. So I don't know. Anyways, people, that was my list. So you got it. All those people I said I did and then all the other people I said I didn't nobody's confused. Wait, it is confusing. No, I did say nobody's stupid, but I don't know. Eli might be a little confused or stupid, but Jeremy Coker, he was like, wait, shock? The shock? I mean, maybe it's a little soft or something, and maybe that caused some harm, but don't blame my motorcycle. He's probably like confused, and Eli may be like pissed off. Like, dude, you can't be like leading me out like that. I'm the champ. Say that. Say the shock is blown. Do something. Do something. Do something. Jeremy like, uh-uh, we having babies, we got the next champion, we got James Stewart's babies brewing up in here, and he ain't have them things yet, so, uh-uh, uh-uh, I ain't taking it, so, maybe that was that, but nonetheless, that was it, people, all the list, no list, I hope you guys enjoyed it, because I did, we going off next weekend, not this weekend, next weekend, so I have to see y'all in two weeks, or whenever I see you again, but I'll see you when I do it, and until then, you know what time it is. My favorite time, your favorite time. It's the time that I get in the car and I go to the minivan moms because I'm feeling fresh today. I ain't getting my inside taken. I'm cutting that one lady off. I mean, this one lady, we got beef. We got beef. But I honestly, I saw her almost Will Smith somebody. So I'm only going to go to that borderline and then I'm going to get in my line because I don't want to get, I want to get. Until then, I'll see y'all when I see you.